Welcome to the Daily Cron for Monday, March 18th, 2019. It's Monday, and that usually means a review of something I watched over the weekend. Today, I'm going to be talking about Tidying Up with Marie Kondo, which is a Netflix series that I think everybody in the world has heard of by now. <laughs> and uh, uh, I was actually watching it over the weekend because I really need to tidy up my place. And so a combination of preparing to do that, as well as frankly procrastinating, I watched the first three episodes of the program. I also started reading the book recently, but I didn't get very far in it, so I got through basically the introduction and started the beginning of it. So most of my discussion here is going to be about the TV show, and only a little bit about what I gleaned from the book. But I'll have links to the TV show, to the book, and to uh, Marie Kondo's website in the show notes. So you can check them out yourself, uh, check out the Kindle book that I have or whatever, or ignore it completely, because you already know how to tidy up. Up to you. So. The, 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 the Marie Kondo phenomenon, I guess, if you don't know who she is, she's a Japanese, I guess I would say entrepreneur at this point, but she's, she's a, she's created like an empire around her KonMarie method of tidying up. To sim- simply to summarize, her particular way of tidying up is a little different than most that I ever heard of before this. She does it by category and not location. So instead of tidying up the kitchen, the living room, your bedroom, like which is how I always have done it, she does it with uh, a specific uh, uh, categories of items in a specific order. So she starts with clothes, then you're supposed to do books and papers, then uh, komono, which is miscellaneous items, and there's a bunch of subcategories of those. And then finally, you get to sentimental items. And the, and the key is that you keep only those that spark a joy, as she says. Uh, often, or that that speak to the heart, as it says on our webpage. And then you discard the things that no longer speak to you that way, whatever that means for you. Uh, And you also thank them for your service and let them go. So there's a couple of things about the system that I think really uh, made her famous, or things you can latch onto, especially uh, in the West, where I think she's super famous. The whole um, does it spark joy thing, and the whole like thanking the items it's a uh, quite a different kind of mindset than you know most western consumers probably have with their their goods uh and, you know their pro- their um their stuff so uh but i don't think it's just a fad after watching the first few episodes of this after reading a little bit of the book and thinking about it i think she's really onto something I, I think her system actually is a good good system for what i've seen like i i don't think it's just because it's it seems interesting from a Western perspective, uh, I think it's just, I think it's actually a good system that has uh, some, you know, uh, eccentricities, I guess, in there, but it's it's good. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit through the first three episodes and then, <clears throat> and then talk about kind of the big ticket ideas that I think are in this system that I, I am taking from it so far. So I haven't read the whole book, as I said, but I did watch the first three episodes, and the first one I feel like the first episode just kind of eases us into the program. It's a suburban couple with two younger kids. They have a smallish house, but it's not, like, super cramped. It's nice. It's actually pretty clean from the beginning. There is some clutter, uh, definitely, but it's it's not, like, overwhelming. I feel like it's not like an episode of Hoarders, which which we'll talk about in the episode two. <laughs> but this... This house, uh, but the thing about this house, uh, it's and the thing you'll get from the show in general is that it's not really just about tidying up tips or her system or explaining it because they don't go through 
at least in the first few episodes, every single part of her system step by step. <clears throat> There's some common things they do in each episode, but really the focus is how these people, this, these families and these couples, how going through this process helps them work out something. So in the first one, there's definitely some tension between these, uh, these, they're not exactly newlyweds, I think they were married like five years ago, something they said in the episode, but relatively new, young kids, only a few years old, and so, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, there's, there's some tension you can see, and, uh, the husband is more of a neat freak, I guess he, he says, he's more neat-oriented than his wife is, and, she um, really hates doing laundry. He's very vocal about that. <laughs> they have someone that comes and helps with the laundry, uh, which I don't. There's no problem with that. But, uh, uh, but it, it just kind of they kind of set it up in the beginning of the episode that they're having a little bit of conflict because uh, she doesn't want to do a lot of domestic stuff, and he like doesn't think they should be hiring somebody to do stuff that they could do themselves, and they just need to to figure out how to make it work. <clears throat> so. Throughout the episode, though, they they uh, they kind of work through their crap <laughs> as they're working through their crap. So the, the 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 key takeaways for the first episode, though, is you learn the basics of the system and the format for the show. So it always starts out with Marie coming there. <clears throat> you have some some shots about with the with the the family you're going to be dealing with. It kind of uh, sets it up, sets up kind of whatever their conflict is or their focus, the issue in their life that is kind of. At the being uh, adversely affected by the clutter in their life, <clears throat> in their house, and then Maria uh, comes with her translator because she doesn't speak uh, a lot of English, and uh, they always start with uh, with her getting a tour of the house. So you get to see the clutter and all of its uh, glory, and then she starts the process with them by greeting the house, and so she'll kneel, and she it's basically like a moment of silence, and uh, and then she she gets up and says, "Okay, we're gonna go." <clears throat> so. Uh, the first thing, though, every episode I saw started with was clothing, and I think that's uh, because everybody obviously has clothes, and I think it's probably because it's the easiest thing. If you look through her list of items, uh, clothes, books, papers, miscellaneous items, sentimental items, <clears throat> they get increasingly more difficult to choose between what to keep and what to give up, I think, and I think that's why you start with clothes. So the, the key point of her system, and I, I think this applies to basically everything, the key thing is you take all of that category of stuff, and you put it in one freaking pile, one big pile. Like, take all your clothes, put it on your bed, <clears throat> okay? Then you have to go through each item one at a time, and you have to look at them, and you have to determine whether it sparks joy for you. And if it does, you keep it. If it doesn't, you discard it. And as she says in the show, as you move through the process, I think you sensitize yourself to this, to, to joy or to, to understanding this concept, so that by the time you get to the sentimental items, which are going to be the most difficult ones to decide to part with, you'll have kind of like your joy radar will be, I don't know, better. <clears throat> so be able to do that. And I think there's actually a good point uh, to that. But I think I'll wait to talk about that until we get to the end. <clears throat> so the first episode they go through, uh, they do clothing, uh, and they learn how to do folding, which, by the way, like <laughs> Marie Kondo teaching you how to fold things is actually pretty awesome. Like uh, the first time I saw her fold like some shirts so that they stood upright and put them in like a box or in a drawer that way. That was, that was kind of mind blowing actually. <laughs> uh, I think it probably says a lot about me. They're like, I never thought about that, but uh, my whole life I've always put t-shirts in flat and now I have this folding style. It's very easy and you can just, you know, make it 
much easier to find stuff. That's cool. She also teaches you how to fold a fitted sheet, by the way, if you've ever had nightmares about that. Uh, three different ways, actually, depending on how you want to store them. <clears throat> that shows up in one of the episodes of the first three. Anyway, <clears throat> so the first one, they go through their process, and by the end of it, uh, some other common things you'll see. If uh, You'll see uh, a bunch of garbage bags full of stuff that they have to get rid of, and Marie will come back through the episode multiple times to check in on their progress, and they have different kinds of homework to do each week. And honestly, it takes them like a month. Like each one of these episodes, it takes them 20, 30 plus days to do this, depending on, on how, how rough it is. And they're not necessarily like 100% done at the end either, but it's like done enough for the episode. <laughs> So they uh, they also they, they go through the garage as well with uh, with them in the first episode. So you kind of get a glimpse of all the areas. Like you get a glimpse of clothes and the kitchen and the garage. And you, so like kitchen stuff and miscellaneous stuff, clothing. Um, I don't know if they really do books and papers a whole lot in the first three three episodes. I don't really remember a lot of that at all. But definitely clothing and miscellaneous and sentimental stuff. So by the end of the episode, though, what's sweet about it is by the end of the episode, this this couple is kind of, uh, they seem like they're in a better place together. They found their old, um, uh, their old wedding photos that they had wanted to hang for like four years and never did. And they, uh, they have cleaned up the clutter in their house. And it looks like they're maybe trying to uh, share the duties more. And that's also a common thing. It seems like, uh, at least in two of the episodes I saw, like, were... By the end of the episode, the family is trying to share more duties, which uh, is it was good. <clears throat> so episode two, though, so episode one kind of le- kind of just ease you into it because it's like, oh, this is not too clutter filled of a place. I mean, you could probably just clean it in a different strategy. It's like, but I don't, you know, you may not understand why it was such a big deal. Episode two, though, is practically an episode of hoarders. I mean, <clears throat> episode two is a uh, an older um, um, couple empty nesters of adult children who moved out and they live in a house that they inherited and so it's like three generations worth of stuff in there and some of it's piled floor to ceiling like the husband has has baseball cards and boxes floor to ceiling in one part of the bedroom uh his wife has just this (laughs) this tremendous tremendous christmas decoration collection like they make the griswolds in the you know um just jealous like it's just a crazy amount of christmas it's like Christmas vomited all over their rumpus room. Also, also an incredibly creepy number of nutcrackers. It's like on these high shelves in this one room. It's it's like whoa, why nobody needs like a dozen plus nutcrackers? But oh well, not gonna judge because that's part of the part of the thing. The 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 charm of the show is that Marie Kondo does not judge you. You know, you are not being judged in the show. Perhaps we, the audience, are judging you a little bit. And I think they edited a little bit to get to make you a little bit judgmental of people in the beginning. Uh, but you know, ultimately, it's not about it's not about being judgmental of these people. It's about being accepting that we all have different priorities and we all have different circumstances, and that there's no one right way to do things. It's all about you and your family figuring out and negotiating and and uh, figuring out how to. Uh, take care of the stuff you have and get rid of the things you don't need that are cluttering up your life. <clears throat> so episode two is the one where it takes them a long time and they come back multiple times at a house to check on their progress. Man, they and this, this, the poor woman in, that, in this episode has an entire room dedicated to clothing that she's never even worn. Like all of it has tags on it. They pile up this uh, pile of clothing on her bed. And it's the most amazing visual because Marie Kondo was a very short 
um, woman. And so she's staying next to his, this floor-to-ceiling uh, clothing pile, and she actually comments that she's never seen that much clothing piled up before with any of her consultants, <laughs> consultancies that she's done. Uh, but she's not judging her. She's just, just kind of like a point of fact. Like, I've never seen that many before. It's going to take a while for you to get through that. But it's like literally floor to ceiling of like like six foot high ceilings. Like it's crazy. I was I was actually <laughs> as I watched this episode, I'm thinking to myself, I feel like maybe Marie Kondo wants to exit the house in these scenes because she's afraid one of these piles of of stuff is going to fall over and crush her. Because it's it's like everything in that house towered above her. Piles of precariously stacked Christmas decorations or baseball card boxes or clothing or something, and it's. <laughs> You know, it seemed like kind of a dangerous place for anybody, let alone somebody, um, you know, short on the shorter side. So <laughs> uh, it, it it was uh, that house, I, by the way, was interesting episode, too. They have a weird scale. It looks like it's from the 70s or something in the back. You can see in some scenes they have all kinds of stuff they find. They actually find some really interesting sentimental stuff in episode two uh, related to, I think, the um, the uh, original owners of the house, like the grandparents who uh, were. I, I think I got the gist of it. They were they were there for Pearl Harbor, and I think they got interned, and they found a book that this, that wrote about it, or one of them wrote about it. So that, that's really interesting. They found a bunch of, um, I don't know, like figurines that they didn't know they had. They were meaningful to them. So it was it was cool because they had all this stuff that was keeping them from having a retirement that they wanted. You know, So in the first episode, is more about really getting their life started in this house with this family and, and like, feeling like trying to reconnect a little bit more like they were when they were when they 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 were married originally and then this one it's more like well all our kids are gone now but we have all this stuff we can't really relax and have our retirement because all this stuff is here all the time and it's it's in our way and it's creates a lot of mental strain <clears throat> you know so uh it's it's nice by the end of it though it's amazing like by the end of this <clears throat> they must have worked like for a whole solid month plus and they got they're, they actually got their pool table back. Like, if you look carefully, there's a pool table. <laughs> it's covered in Christmas decorations. But they get it, and they actually have a game of pool. And and the whole the whole place looks better. It no longer looks super dangerous for short people to, to walk around in there. Uh, so it worked out really well for them. I like it. So episode three. <clears throat> episode three is about a young uh, couple and their two kids. I think they moved from the Midwest to... LA because they're downsized to from like a four bedroom house to an apartment because uh they wanted better opportunities. I think the I think the husband is like a musician and the wife is a um is a uh like hair stylist, something like that. <clears throat> and uh so and then they have two kids and they uh, there was just like no opportunities where they were before, so they moved to LA because there's much much more opportunities for music and for stylish you know, hair styling and, and clothing and that kind of thing. In LA, so they moved there, but they had to be. They had to go from down to this two bedroom uh, apartment, and they were all kind of cramped in there. So the the kind of the essence of this episode seems to be, <clears throat> well, one thing is really just me. This episode is that is that the the um, the, the the woman uh, she t- voluntarily takes on and thinks it is her job to do all of this domestic stuff, including <clears throat> you know like housework and for the most part and that kind of thing, and also. Uh, like she, she's really emphasizes she wants to make it a home, which is uh kind of interesting. No, no one else said that. Like it's kind of a contrast to the first episode where we had we had some some characters to say who, who like they didn't really like doing that kind of thing. But she, I don't know if she likes it or not, but she thinks it's her duty to do this stuff, and she feels bad that her that their house is cluttered and it doesn't feel like a home to her. 
So like that's her focus. Whereas her husband's focus is he's kind of like clueless about how to do anything. And so, uh, and the kids are uh, kind of also overly reliant. The whole family is overly reliant on her in the third episode to know where things are and to take care of things. And that has got to be stressful for anybody. That's just not fair. <clears throat> and so by the end of the episode, though, the whole family has uh, has learned to, you know, better negotiate uh, duties and and do things. But in this episode, you get to see, again, um, greeting the house. You get to see uh, clothing. Um, you get to see a little bit about, like, miscellaneous stuff. Um, you get a lot of focus on the kids in that one, I think, because <clears throat> they're a little older, the kids, and you can... You can teach them how to tidy up along with you. So they they learn how to fold laundry. They learn how to organize their own space more effectively. So I think there was a lot of more emphasis on on the kids being part of the process in there. So I, I like that episode. That, that episode, it might be my favorite one because I live in an apartment too. So seeing some of the tips for <clears throat> for organizing stuff like that, a huge number of DVDs. Now, I don't, but I used to. And they have a huge number of DVDs, and they t- put them in, like, uh, in sleeved cases to clean that up, <clears throat> they what else they do? They they organize their their kitchen more effectively. And one of the things that she, that um, Marie Kondo had them do was organize by size, which I thought was pretty interesting. So not necessarily by type, you know, like you have all your cutlery in one place, all your knives in another place, but uh, by size. So that could mean you could have a knife of some kind with with a giant spoon with something else, whatever, as long as it's all about the same size. And that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and I'll get to my summaries and I'll tell you why. But I like it. So in all three of these episodes, though, what I think is most important is that the couples and the families in question are forced to reckon with their excessive amount of stuff that they have. And they're forced to uh, negotiate with each other to figure out what is both individually important to them, and for whatever reason that may be, whether it sparks a joy in like an emotional sense, or maybe they're more utilitarian, whether they find it useful or something. But they have to determine what they really need to keep and what they can get rid of. But they have to negotiate with all the other members of the household because there's only so much space. <clears throat> so in all three episodes, you see different situations, but the same basic issue, where whatever that family unit is, they have to talk to each other. They have to uh, figure out how to, like, what stuff is theirs that they need to take care of properly and, you know, tidy up, but they also have to negotiate the overall space that they're in. And I actually like that. I think the whole thing, <clears throat> the whole show strikes me as kind of like therapy, like family therapy, because if you, because they emphasize bringing in all of the, all the members of the family to be part of this process to whatever level they can, you know, depending on their age and all, and you bring them in early and you, and you teach the kids early so that they have this habit. And you teach yourself so that you can make your environment better. But the point was that you can't go through this process as a family without talking to each other, without communicating. So if you have communication issues or you have some kind of tension in your relationship, as is demonstrated in all three of these in, in certain ways, they that tension is partially, at least in the show, the way they present it, partially about the uh, excess amount of stuff they have and the process of going through tidying up is what helps them to just basically talk to each other and having the shared activity. So shared activities are actually an excellent way to build communication and bond between people. That's why you do shared activities. That's why, you know, (laughs) scout troops go out and do things. That's why, um, you know, that's why you train as groups in, in martial arts and stuff. You know, it's like, it's kind of obvious. I don't think I have to explain it, but, uh, 
in this case, it may not seem like that's what's happening, but that's clearly what's happening. <laughs> it's like it's both an individual and a group exercise. So takeaways from this whole series <clears throat> and the book, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me actually fundamentally of the same concept behind the YNAB budgeting system. You know, it's called You Need a Budget. And in that budgeting system, the point is you have to touch every dollar. Essentially, you have to look at every dollar and you have to assign it to a category. You have to determine what it's going to do for you and what your priorities are. And you're forced to reckon with a finite amount of money and whatever your priorities are. And you have to make hard choices. And the same thing, I think, applies here just with physical stuff. You're forced to literally touch everything you own and determine uh, whether it fits in with your priorities or with with whatever limitations you have in your space. It forces you to reckon with what maybe a habit you have of buying stuff that you don't need, or maybe you uh, you you find out that uh, you just no longer need or want some stuff that you just were collecting for collecting's sake. Maybe it meant something to you a long time ago, but not anymore. But it forces you to look at every single thing, determine whether you even want it at all, and then find a proper place for it. And by doing that, <clears throat> you know you are also alleviating a lot of psychological stress, which I also find, because I actually practice the YNAB budgeting system, and I find that <clears throat> that budgeting system has helped alleviate a lot of stress because it helps you to save money. It helps you to make those choices so that you're not surprised by bills and you're pre- more prepared for those things, As you, you know, and it, it's something you have to practice to get better at it. But once you get into the groove, it just becomes a habit, and it, it really does, uh, at least for me, it really helps me to relieve a lot of uh, mental tension. So <clears throat> I'm hoping that if I if I go through the Conri method myself and I and I will I'm going to attempt it and I will come back on this podcast and give you updates. But I'm hoping it'll be a lot like that because the 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 transformation I had with my finances when I did the YNAB method I started doing that years ago. I'm hoping that it'll come out of this. So other things that come from this uh method <clears throat> from what I learned from the the from the TV show the I think some of the the aspects that may be you may think are odd, like greeting the house or like talking about sparking joy. That's really about uh, it's really about getting the right frame of mind for it. And it reminds me also of kata practice. And when I was uh, when I was uh, regularly practicing karate, you would be going through these motions, these over and over again, like ritualized motions. Kind of you're you're going through the. You've probably seen people practicing, you know, uh, a kata, <clears throat> and you you're going through these motions over and over again. And it's really a very individual form of practice, a very meditative practice. And a lot of the things they're doing in the show, when they're, they're from folding to just choosing between uh, whether something to, whether they want to keep something or discard something, like uh, that seems very much in that same respect, a very individual meditative kind of activity that I find appealing. <clears throat> and I think it, it, you go through rituals to get you in the right mindset for that. And that's why she does these, these types of rituals. You thank the object that you are discarding. For its use, and I mean, and I, and it, it, that doesn't mean you literally believe that there's like a deity in the object, but the idea of thinking about something like, like say you have a, a T-shirt, and you had this T-shirt, maybe it was like the first T-shirt your dad bought you at a concert or something, <clears throat> and maybe your dad is now passed, and so you have this T-shirt, and it counts as not only clothing but maybe a sentimental item. So you have to decide for yourself whether you're going to keep it or not. And but by by engaging with it, you can then remember that experience. You can you know maybe have those emotions again. You can uh, you, you can really uh, 
connect with it and you can say yes i want to keep this or you can have something else where you're like well this is just some random pair of pants that i never wear and uh, why do i have this he's using up space it'd be gone <clears throat> or maybe in between where you you have some item where you're like well this is this served me long well for a long time you know maybe you were maybe you have a, a maybe you have a coffee maker and you just drank lots of coffee for years and like this is a great coffee maker this is great but now i no longer drink coffee so i don't need it anymore but you're you the the whole process of thanking it just help just forces you to remember i <clears throat> i think it just forces you to remember that you you had some reason for it to exist and oftentimes that was a good reason and so if you are i think it's easier to let go of things when you acknowledge that they had some significance in your life at one point or another and perhaps they no longer are worth being in your life but they did at one point so it makes it easier to let go and i think that's the main reason why they do that it, it makes it either easier to let go when you're thinking it or it makes it easier to justify holding on to it if it, it sparks joy as it were so that i think they go hand in hand the sparking joy and the thanking the items when you um let them go <clears throat> so uh also uh, some fundamental tips that come up in this a lot which I, I think are just really good ideas that are not probably unique to the conry system but uh are are emphasized a lot using boxes. So there's multiple times where Marie, Marie brings boxes of different sizes with her and to the family at a certain point in their process, <clears throat> because you want to collect things to make sure they're not like all scattered around, keeps things neat and tidy. And you pick the appropriate size box for things, and then you can stack them inside each other. This is something that I always used to do with my desk. When I was a kid, I used to get these, I had these little baskets and I would do this all the time and try to organize my desk and have everything in its, Proper place in a little box. So very, very appealing to me, the idea of putting things in little boxes and putting the boxes inside bigger boxes and then putting the bigger boxes on shelves or something. It's very appealing to me. I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with that. So, um, oh, the folding methods for clothing, actually just brilliant idea. I don't know why I never saw that before. It can't possibly be <laughs> unique to to uh, Marie Kondo, but I don't know, maybe. <clears throat> but the folding of like shirts so they stand upright so you can access them. Because one of the key things about the clothing part of this whole system is being able to access them, which I, it's actually such an obvious issue that you that I have. Even if you put stuff folded nicely into a drawer, if if they're just stacked on top of each other, you don't necessarily know what it is you're looking for. So the whole point is not just to save space, but to also be able to find the thing you need when you need it. Uh, which is also the the fundamental reason why you would have like a filing system for papers or for digital files or something, because you want to find it later without wasting time. That was actually emphasized, I believe, in episode three very well by the, the kids constantly saying, like, they don't know where anything is. They always have to text their mom to find out where something is. Well, once you, you fold these things properly, you know where they go, you put them in a drawer, then you can just open the drawer and pick out the thing, and you know where it is. And that's, uh, I think, uh, actually would make my life a lot easier if I could find more stuff. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I think the the way that she moves through in her process with uh, from clothes to books and papers, miscellaneous and sentimental, I think that, that actually that pattern makes a lot of sense. Everybody has clothes. Clothes are probably, I'm going to guess, the easier thing for people to to work with, to make a decision about to keep or get rid of. Um, not a, I mean, for, at least for me, like a lot of my clothing is not sentimental in any way. <clears throat> so you're, you're gonna, it's going to be easier for you to figure out the system and practice it that way. And then and you move on the books and papers, which are you know going to be harder. And then the miscellaneous items, which is a whole bunch of subcategories. Those are going to be really annoying, I'm guessing. 
<clears throat> but then the sentimental items. So by the time you get the sentimental items, you've already cleaned up most of your life and your environment. And now you have the space and the, the mental energy to focus on them because there ideally would be less of them than all the other stuff combined. And now that you're not surrounded by all this stuff, you know, because it's the end of the process, you should have probably um, cleaned up a lot by then. So then it's the time to look at the sentimental stuff. And I think the sentimental stuff is actually a really big issue. Uh, we all have lots of stuff with keepsakes, things like that, that, <clears throat> that we think, oh, I'm going to, I want to remember this moment. I remember this vacation. I remember this person, whatever. And not all that stuff is probably meaningful for us anymore. You know, or maybe we forgot about it, or maybe, um, maybe if it's something like a photo, where they do talk about photo management in this in these episodes, something like a photo, <clears throat> maybe you have a whole bunch of them and they're very similar. You don't need all of them; you just need the one. You know, or if you're me, you would just scan them. But uh, uh, I'd actually be curious to see if there's anything in the book uh, about digital file keeping because I feel like some of the stuff, especially the photo stuff, can actually work for digital as well. It's just easier to let all that stuff grow into a giant heap in your with photos because uh, digital photos because you can just search for things but uh anyway i think a lot of this practices could be applied digitally as well uh <clears throat> i like the idea of ordering things by size especially in the kitchen uh, because that just maximizes the space and i think most of us have the experience our kitchen's not quite being big enough or never feeling big enough <clears throat> um but mainly <clears throat> oh I, I really love the idea of piling all your stuff up because you're you're trying to reckon with it. You know, the only way to reckon with the total amount of stuff you have in your life is to see it visually in a giant pile. It's a brilliant idea. Uh, I don't know if it's unique to her or anything, but uh, that is uh, just, when you look at it in retrospect, an obvious yet brilliant idea. Because how can you organize, say, your clothing if you don't know how much clothing you have? You know? Like, you need to see all at once. And uh, believe it or not, this also is very similar in concept to... <clears throat> to like a GTD, like getting things done system where you collect all the stuff that's in your head and you put it into a trusted inbox, like a trusted system, like like software, like OmniFocus or a book or something. You just write it all down and then you go through it one by one and decide, is it something I want to keep? And if I, and then you can choose how to keep it. But the whole point is you go through each thing one by one by one and you put it in its place, in this case, onto lists or something for for um, you know organizational purposes, but and into projects and all, but the, the but you see this kind of pattern where you you dump everything into one place and go through it one by one and decide to keep it or not keep it, and then when you decide to keep it, you decide where you're going to put it, and it it works for physical stuff obviously, but it also works for task management, and I think it works for digital files, uh, it works for budgets for money like YNAB system. It's such a universally useful concept, this whole processing an inbox thing, uh, that I think if you're not actually doing that right now in your life, you might really want to look into the, these systems. You can look in the Getting Things Done system. You can look at the Marie system. You can look at YNAB. The idea of just whatever that, thing, that, that category of things are, tasks or money or stuff, the idea of processing it all one by one and finding out where it goes like that is an excellent way of clearing out your mental space or your physical space so that you can reclaim it and actually it can be useful to you again so i really like the mindset of the conmarie method uh and i think you can 
you can you don't have to be like a literally spiritual person like you don't have to believe there's actual deities or something you're thinking or that uh, uh you know an inanimate object cares <laughs> you know <clears throat> but i think that the 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 process itself is, is still very useful so i'm i'm really uh, after watching these three episodes pretty excited to give it a shot uh give it a shot formally in my life starting with clothing which actually shouldn't be that hard cuz i don't have nearly as many clothing <laughs> as these people did uh in fact, I'm pretty sure that once I get done the first step of dealing with my clothes, I'm going to have to go buy clothes because I'm going to get rid of so many things. But we'll see. Anyway, this has been a long one uh, because I think it's a, it's a really cool show, and I, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. I think there's a lot of actual utility in this method, even from just the first three episodes of what I saw and from the little bit of the book that I read in the beginning. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out the Netflix show and probably the book, because uh, the show does not, at least the first three episodes, does not go into detail about everything. Kind of mo- jumps around. So I, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's just, if nothing else, it's a very entertaining show. If you already have all of your stuff in order and, and you're neat and tidy and, and everything, you still get enjoyment from the show by just because it's such a joyful show. It really is. You, you watch the show and you're like, oh, everything's nicer at the end. Every, everybody's like in a better place and their, their environment's nice and tidy and clean. And you really, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice kind of happy, uh, happy kind of reality TV show. So, which is, I think, very refreshing, because I don't like those uh, other kinds of shows. It's all a bunch of nasty people trying to destroy each other. Got enough of that in real life. Okay, that's it for this episode of The Daily Cron, and I will talk to you tomorrow.